to you by the Georgia Governor's Office of Highway Safety, reminding you to buckle up, Georgia. Welcome to another round of the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast here at Georgia Public Broadcasting. Thanks for accessing us however you are doing so, large device or small, GPB, GPB gpb.org, the GPB Sports app, your favorite podcatchers. Save, like, whatever the kids do with the with their with their podcatchers. It's like you, you like it, you save it, you sit there, you hit the button to make sure that when we have the new one, they know it that instant that it happens when it's posted by our irreplaceable producer, Sean Powers. Happy playoff week, John. Happy playoff week. It is playoffs, and we are now down to what is it? So thirty-two times eight. Oh no. Here it goes again with math. 256 teams are left. And okay. now the magic starts between now and the week after Christmas at Georgia State. And uh, we got some folks to help us out this week. Filled your brackets out? What, what? How did it compare to what you had? Oh, I, I, I had the pen bracket and I had the pencil bracket. Mm-hmm. And I had, uh, you saw me on uh, the broadcast. I, I actually With an had to inch go. thick stack of notes. Uh huh. Well, you and notes. Well, it's this time of year an you need them. This time, of the, this time of year you need them and you need to be right. And all of the combinations, permutations, what could be, what happens if somebody wins, loses, uh, math, region tiebreakers, is it rock, paper, scissors, is it uh, common points with common opponents, those kinds of things. You need to know all those tiebreakers, all that kind of stuff. That's This is when the last six weeks of the football season is when you need your notes. Yeah. I mean, you know you, you know your notes for the first nine games of the season, but you've got to make sure that everything's in line for the last week of the regular season and on the run into the championships. And so, yes, that's when I showed that I have an inch-thick stack of notes <laughs> last week at Norcross for the Norcross game, the, the Norcross win against Archer in their uh, region championship game that we had on GPB. Well, for our first week of playoffs, we have an awesome show for you. we got two great guests, mm-hmm. Todd Holcomb with yep. GHSF Daily. Yep. And Zach Grage, head coach of Thomasville, he'll be on the show later. Yep. I'm excited about them. Yep. And so we're just going to go ahead and send it to our interview with Todd Holcomb from the Georgia High School Football Daily. And the first question that I asked Todd is a question that a lot of folks have had around the state. Did you think that we'd get this far? I, thought, I think that we would get this far, but I, I think we played more games than I would have expected. I think uh, the average number of games played, I kind of did the math over the weekend. It was something like 8.9. And, uh, most teams did not play 10, but about maybe 40% of them did. And I think most of them played 9 or 10. So I think it went better than most people would have thought in terms of uh, just getting the season in and getting in a lot of games. So, Todd, you reported that all quad A and double A playoff games will be moved to Saturday because of not enough officials. How will that affect things? Well, I think uh, people are so happy to be in the playoffs, they'll just adjust. So I don't think it'll be um, – I don't think it'll be a, a, a big difference for most people. Um, you know, you're competing against uh, Saturday college football for mm-hmm. some attendance, I suppose, uh, so it could hurt as far as that. But I don't think it'll affect the outcomes or um, or anything anything like that. And, uh, the bigger story to me is just the officials. Uh, you know, there's just not as many as there are needed. And then in the playoffs, um, not it, it, just because you can officiate a regular season game doesn't automatically mean you're qualified to officiate the playoffs. There are uh, um, other standards that you have to meet, number of clinics and courses and things like that. And so there's just not not enough of them. So they got to spread them out. 
All right. So how many versions of brackets did you have in pencil before you got the ones in pen? How many, how many combinations and permutations did you have to go through leading into last Friday? Um, so are, are you talking about uh, knowing who was going to play who or yeah. who I thought was going to play who? Both. Uh, how, how many combinations and permutations did you have going in? Yeah, you know, I don't, it, I don't. It didn't seem like there were that many surprises on Friday that changed it a whole lot. I don't believe. Um, you know, there were. Uh, you know, I guess when you look at the the brackets though, now I do see a few teams kind of sticking out there that or four seeds and they maybe didn't expect to be or or three seeds and um, things like that, but. Um, Nothing too surprising, I don't think, uh, once we got to that final week. What's the toughest bracket, do you think, and who has the toughest road to the championships? Well, depending on what classification you're talking about, um, I, you know, I think Colquitt County is probably not uh, overly thrilled that they got Brookwood in the first round. You did that yet. upper right bracket in <laughs> 7A, I know. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible because, I mean, Brookwood literally, I mean, they were in the top five for much of the season, and the only reason they really aren't is because, well, I shouldn't say it that way. I don't want to take anything away from Newton. It played a great game against them, but uh, Brookwood had some key injuries in that game, or maybe they would have won that or played better, and then their other loss was to Grayson. So, I mean, they're really good and explosive. I would, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be pretty hard. Um, Yeah, as far as other teams with tough Draws. It's interesting, certainly, that Cedar Grove is going to be on the fir- in the on the road for the first round, yeah. um, and then they potentially could play Crisp County in the quarterfinals. So that's pretty tough. And I don't know if as many people pay attention to Class A private, but I I think it's interesting there that like Athens Academy might play Fellowship Christian in the second round. Mm-hmm. Or oh, Prince, yeah. Prince Avenue might play Eagles Landing Christian in the quarterfinals. Those are the top two teams ranked rank wise. So. So those are some interesting ones. And at the same time, you know, the way that things have come because of rotation, you could have a second-round matchup in single-A public involving the two teams that played in the double-A final last year with Brooks and Dublin. That's right. I'm just looking at that. I didn't notice that. That's, yeah, and I mean, I guess Brooks County, they are, well, it's just, there's that really tough region, you know, with Irwin and uh, and Brooks. The region of doom in yeah, single-A. So. So that's the tough thing, you know. Obviously, the George High School Association does not see the see, you know, they, they're, any of their tournaments like, say, the, the NCAA does. So, you know, really tough regions. Uh, you know, you, a lot of times you'll see sweeps, and there probably will be some, you know, where one region will sweep the other. Or, you know, you, you you play real hard to get a one or two seed, and then you find out, well, man, I would have been better off maybe <laughs> to be the three seed, be a two or a three, uh, and go on the road. Yeah, exactly. You said you didn't see any big surprises, and they're certainly all good teams in the playoffs, but is there an underdog that sticks out that you're rooting for? I, I love a good underdog. Well, let's see. I think, you know, well, here I'll point out a few little trivial things that, that might, you know, people might be interested in. I was just doing some research today. There are five teams in the in the playoffs that have never made it before. You would think maybe more than that, but um, there's – you know, 255 teams in the playoffs. But those five teams are Discovery and Kennesaw Mountain, Cherokee Bluff, Kings Ridge Christian, and Lakeview Academy. So those are some kind of interesting teams that will be in there for the first time. As far as, like, underdog, you know, one team I I would be curious to see how they, they're going to do with South Atlanta. Um, they had not won a region title, I think, ever. I think they opened in the 90s, and it's a school known for its basketball. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they're number one seed out of that region. they got a home game against – 
Chattooga, and really a, a draw that, you know, there's some other pretty good teams in that quarter, Jefferson County and, you know, but it wouldn't be shocking with home field advantage if they could really get to the semifinals. Who do you think, I uh, guess, what's the class that's the most wide open from your point of view? Because you look at some and you sit there and you have a, a decided number of favorites, but is there one class more than any of the others that is more wide open where you could see like 12 teams make it to win a championship? Mm, let's see. I would have to kind of go down the list of some of these. I, I would say that um, a Class 6A, I think, is uh, is hard for me to peg there. I mean, I think, you know, you've got, uh, you know, Buford, Lee County at the top of there. Um, but I don't I don't sense a real obvious favorite in that one. Um, you know, I think Grayson's clearly the favorite, although anything can happen in the highest classification. And, um Going down, I think yeah, I think Jeff, you know Jefferson and Marist are huge favorites. I think in four A, one of those right. two teams. Yeah. Um, so let me kind of scroll on down. Let's see. Um, I like three A a lot. You know, with uh, especially with a little bit of uh, uncertainty regarding Cedar Grove. I mean, they'll be playing on the road, but also they only played five games. Right. Um, and you know, Chris County was in the final last year. Oconee County was in the final last year. Uh, Peach County, I think, you know, beat Crisp this year. So those are four really yeah, good teams. That's a, nothing like a region game with Peach and Crisp, eh? Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. So, and I think, I mean, hmm, my my answer might actually be two A. So I know I'm bouncing around, but I really don't no, know who's going to win that. You know, you got Raven County never won a state title. Fitzgerald has not won one since the '40s, but both of them are really good. And and Fitzgerald's had a great season. They won. You know, they're undefeated. And they're ranked number one. We have them ranked number one. But they've had three or four games that are just down to the wire. They had to come back in the fourth quarter. So they're not, like, blowing people out. So that that one definitely, I would think, is pretty wide open among the top three, four teams. Our Football Friday game of the week is Camden County versus Parkview at the Big Orange Jungle. And we'll preview that game later in the podcast. But what do you think about that matchup? I'm also interested in Marietta versus East Coweta. The winner of Camden County Parkview plays the winner of that game. So those are two big matchups, in my opinion. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think Parkview and Camden County is definitely one of the probably one of the best handful of games statewide, just in terms of it being kind of intriguing. But both teams were ranked in the top five in preseason, and I think both of them, you might say, have not played as well as they had hoped for various reasons. Um, Camden County has had a, just a slew of injuries, and especially on the offensive line. And yeah. um, but they're pretty, you know, they're really talented, well coached, and uh, you know Bob Spire is one of the best in the business. And uh, the both best. Of those, both of those teams have AJC Super Eleven players: you know, Michael Morris, the lineman at Camden, and Cody Brown, a great running back at Parkview. And, and uh, Parkview has struggled throwing the ball. I think that's always held them back. I think the talent is is pretty much there. And and you know, and Brown is uh, he probably you know one other thing you can say with with Parkview is that they they are you know University of Georgia likes to call itself running back U. Well, I think Parkview is uh, running back high school um, with all the great backs they've had over the years, and uh, you know Chris Carson in NFL, and then Cody Brown, just another in a long list of guys they've had come through there. All right, so now it's time for the promo, and I will go ahead and stipulate. And thanks for coming on with us this week as we're getting ready to do brackets. I have saved every single GHSF daily that has ever come out because there's always been a piece of information that I've always thought was really cool. It's in my saved mail. So 
for those that haven't subscribed and would like to and to keep up with everything going on on a daily basis for Georgia high school football, how do they do it? Well, find us on Twitter. That's the best way. Um, I'm getting more active on Twitter, but just Georgia High School Football Daily Twitter um, and Google that, and you'll find us. And we've got it at the top of there. You can there's a link you can click that allows you to to sign up, and it's free. And uh, you can opt in, opt out. But um, I hope you'll opt in. I think it's some you know pretty pretty good daily news, and we've enjoyed doing it now for our 12th season. And our we've our subscribers are more than ever. We're over 23,000 right now. Very cool. Wow, that's a lot of subscribers. Todd, you find these nuggets of information, and I I read the emails daily, and I'm like, I don't even know how he finds this stuff. <laughs> what, what's been your favorite story to cover this year or some of the coolest information that you've come across this season? Uh, well, you know, uh, first of all, I, I think uh, – Credit goes to the Georgia High School Football Historians Association and a guy there named who founded it uh, nearly 20 years ago now, Lauren Maxwell. And so, and I, I did, I've done a lot of research for them to get that website going and, and keeping it going. And so he's just a good friend of mine, and I'll come up with some idea and I'll send him a request, like, he, you know, can you search the database and come up with this? And he, so he really helps me out. I, I've joked to him, like, we're the Lennon and McCartney, you know, uh, of coming up with these lists <laughs> and trivia and stuff like that. You know, we just play off each other well. And, and uh, it's, I mean, I would have to think hard. My, well, an example of one is, like, let's say, you know, Cherokee Bluff this year yeah. won their first region title in just their third year as a school. So when things like that happen, I say, well, you know, how many teams have ever done that? And, uh and now, because of this database and the history that George is fortunate enough to have on that website, he can do a query and figure it out. And so there's been only, like, fewer than 20, and and, and Cherokee Bluff is the first to do it in three years since Grayson in 2002. So little stats like that I, I really help, you know, uh, a really cool that we have in our newsletter, and I think is something that in Georgia high school football for the media, it's, it's, it's you know, don't really see that in other states because the information is not available. So... But I credit, you know, that that historian's website. If people haven't seen that, they need to check it out. Well, you certainly do a great job. I've got one more question for you since you do cover every team in the state. Every team in the state. And you are familiar with most of the top players in the state. I'm just going to go ahead and say all of them. We do this segment on Recruiting 2020 that's called Make This Kid an Offer. Is there a player out there that doesn't have an offer or needs a better offer that you think has been overlooked? Hmm, let's see. Um, players that... And you know what you could do? You know, if you could come up with an answer, you know, maybe you put it in your column. Put it <laughs> put it in the GHSF Daily, maybe? Something yeah. like that? We're going to get this kid an offer, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think sometimes, it, you know, the, I don't know who that player is. And, I mean, I, I mean I'll give you an example of, of, of a guy that we – well, like, like last week our state player of the week was a guy named Clay Hyatt at Harrelson County. Yeah. And, you know, he's just two years in a row. He's, I mean, I think last year he rushed for close to 2,000 yards. This year he's sharing the load a little bit more, so he's only got about 1,200. And and he's big. He's not like, you know, a lot of times you'll just see a, a guy and they'll have huge yards and you'll go visit them and think, oh, they're – Listed at five nine, but they're really five six, and and they're great high school players, but not necessarily next level. Well, this guy's pretty big, so you you know you see guys like that a lot. You know, um, Washington County has a kid named Malik Walker. Yep. He's rushed for over two thousand yards. And I don't know how good of a college prospect he is, but I'm sure curious to know what people you know what colleges 
think of him and um you know, so there's a lot of guys like that that I think, you know, because we run a lot of stats and notes, I, you know, they pop on the radar, but I'm not I'm not a, a recruiting expert. But I think there's just a lot of rich – there's just a rich amount of players, that, you know, for the show y'all are doing, which I think is really terrific that, you know, y'all can explore into and find a bunch of them. Well, Todd, thanks for hanging out with us uh, this week on the show, and uh, go get some lunch. All right. Well, great. It's fun being with you, and hope maybe I'll be on here again before the playoffs are done. But um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm just excited we got this far, and uh, you know, it's almost like free football because we didn't take it for granted this year. Good to catch up with Todd, and I know that we've got to kind of get into last week a little bit before we get into this week and catching up with Zach Grage down in Thomasville. What'd you have on your What'd you have on your sheets from last week? What What was on your mind? What's on your mind? Well, our game, yes. our football Friday game in the week, yes, which we. Talk to Todd a little bit about. Yep. Number three, Norcross versus Archer. That one was determined the Region 7-7A championship. The Blue Devils took an early lead with help from senior running back Johnny Clark, who rushed for 133 yards and a score. Sophomore tight end Lawson Lucky also got his first Lawson touchdown Lucky. of the season. Yes. During uh, Norcross's first offensive drive. That was Great for him. The Blue Devils ended up taking down the Archer Tigers 31-14 to to go undefeated at 10-0 on the year and clinch their first region title since 2016. What were your thoughts on the game, John? The hot hand, Janai mm-hmm. Clark, mm-hmm. 133 and, and a score. And, you, you know, I talked to Coach Maloof about it at the half. You know, you, when you've got three running backs that share the load, which I think is going to be big, when come playoff time, because that way you can just bring in a fresh set of legs to make sure that you can grind a defense down. You saw in that first drive for Norcross what Janai Clark is capable of, of being for that Norcross offense. And the fact that Coach Maloof can sit there and he can sit there and tap somebody else and go, okay, it's your turn. Janai's a little winded. Janai's like, no, I ain't winded. I'm staying out here. Yep. And so uh, when you've got depth at a position like that, especially when you can grind out a game like we saw Norcross do at points, I think it's going to be big for them come the, the postseason. You know, you run the table at 10-0 and and you got South Forsyth coming up in the first round of the playoffs. Taking a look around the rest of the state, number eight, Milton claimed victory in Region 5-7A. They went 9-0 on the year with a 41-29 win over Cherokee. Number seven, East Coweta is the Region 2-7A champion with a one-point victory. This one victory. was crazy. Scott Sickler was down there helping me out with all the, the scoring and everything, mm-hmm. and he said it was absolute pandemonium when Chase Lewis blocked Noonan's PAT with 76 seconds to go. What a heartbreaker. They had two blocked PATs which was the difference of the game. Yeah, and, and you get into, you know, and we, when we talked to, to Todd about East Coweta and Marietta, Marietta is another side story to all of this. Two and seven coming into the last week of the regular season. They beat Walton. Mm-hmm. They get into the playoffs as the four out of that region at three and seven coming in. What can the defending champ do now that they're in the dance? That's another question. Yeah, I mean, I told Todd I've got my eye on that game for sure. A few more for me. Number two, Buford shut out number five, Dekula, for the Region 8 6A title. The Wolves led 21 to nothing in the first quarter alone. The Falcons, on the other hand, are now the runner-up in the region. For the Region 1 3A crown, number eight, Pierce County defeated number five, Appling County, 28 to 21. By all accounts, this one was as Mm -hmm. absolutely bananas as we were hearing on social media. The crowd in Baxley apparently was overflow or as overflow as you could get. Two great programs there with Appling and with uh, with Pierce County going at it. And it went down to the wires, everybody thought. 
And finally on my list, Christian Heritage took first place in Region 7 single-A private with a 28-13 win over North Cobb Christian. North Cobb Christian. Say that 10 times fast. North Cobb Christian. I think I said Crob. River Ridge beat Cambridge to to run the run the table, go nine and zero, and finish up uh, undefeated. Uh, good good for River Ridge season for them for the ages. Blessed Trinity, they uh, beat Woodland Cartersville. They finished their season at six and zero. We know how tough it's been for the Titans to to get through their schedule. Warner Robins finishes off at number two. They are at eight and one. They beat Veterans by twenty eight. Ware County right behind them. Ware's loss to Warner Robins, and so those two teams I anticipate making a deep run into the postseason. Then you, you look down the line. Carver-Columbus beat Troop on Saturday, and that was a game that was going to determine things uh, over on the, the western side of the state. D.J. Ryle, 16-17 passing for 176. Carver runs the table. Wow. They go to 8-0. No, they'll get Jenkins-Savannah coming up in their first-round action. Perry beat Baldwin for the region championship, 23-20 also in, in Class 4A. And uh, down on the coast, you mentioned what happened with Pierce and Appling County. Mm-hmm. ARC. Another great story here. The Academy of Richmond County, it's Richmond Academy, but really it's ARC, the Academy of Richmond County, beats Burke, Richmond Richmond Academy, first region title since 1976. Wow. And here's your, here's your piece of history. Uh, what former SEC coach attended ARC in his uh, high school years? What former SEC coach? What, what former coach? SEC coach? As she's thinking, she's, she's putting her index finger to— <laughs> Can to, I get a year— <laughs> Well, uh, <laughs> let, let's uh, let's let's put it this way: uh, he was he coached on the plains, and I know that you spent your SEC reporting days in Tuscaloosa. I so did. I'm going to I know. I know a lot of Alabama history. Uh huh. Pat Dye. Oh, I should have known that. Coach Dye was at ARC before he went to the University of Georgia for his college. I've interviewed him before. Yeah, Great Pat guy. Dye, very good dude. Uh, mm-hmm. Fannin County, uh, 8-0, they, they beat Dade 55-7. Callaway beat Hurd 30-17. to to I mean, that was another region that was in the blender with mm-hmm. Harrelson County and Callaway and Hurd. Uh, that's, that's been a fun watch. Vidalia beats Swainsboro to finish at uh, 7-2 and two in, in AA. And then you mentioned what you saw in, in uh, single-A private with Christian Heritage and North Cobb. You had Region of Doom and Single-A where uh, folks were putting up numbers there as well. So that's just a small piece of what happened the last week of the regular season. We missed one. What we miss? Lassiter. Lassiter, my alma mater, lost... Fifty-eight to nothing. Well, but then you said, then, well, then we missed two because Lakeside <laughs> lost to Stone Mountain. So there we go. Whoopsies. Okay, so now let's talk playoffs. Who's our guest to talk playoffs? Oh, um, we we just talked to Todd. Yeah. So we're getting Zach Grage on the on right. the phone. Yeah. So it's Zach Grage, the head coach of the Thomasville Bulldogs, and we mentioned regions of doom here on the show. Zach is in one of those regions of doom. Region 1AA with the likes of Fitzgerald, and he goes into what it's like being in that region, one of the toughest regions in the state. Uh, it feels awesome. It's definitely better than the alternative. Um, so I'm glad to be hosting and proud of the kids for getting to this point. And, um, you know, like we grow up learning, this is, this is where all the, all the marbles are made. So um, just excited to have this opportunity for sure. You're coming off a huge 68-6 Region 1-2A win over Berrien on Friday. How does that game propel you into the playoffs? Uh, you can't, you know, question the momentum that it brings for sure. And we were coming off a tough loss against Fitzgerald, uh, 29-28. That was the region championship for 1AA. And uh, I was a little worried, you know, about our kids coming into the Berrien game uh, against, I guess, probably what they would see as a lesser opponent and, you know, having that Fitzgerald hangover 
um, in quotes. So um, I was really, really proud of our, our half. We were up 61 nothing at halftime, and uh, it was probably one of the most well-played, well-executed halves of football since I've been here. So really, really proud of their effort, really proud that we were able to get all of our kids in the program into the game. Uh, second half with a running clock, and it was it was exciting. It was a good night for Thomasville, and then we had the open week uh, this past week to focus on ourselves and nurse a couple injuries and find out who we were playing uh, this past Friday night. Well, this Friday night, playoffs begin. You are a two-seed. You'll take on three-seed Westside Augusta. Preview that matchup for us. Uh, well, one, we get to play Saturday. Saturday. Which is awesome. That's so, right. Yeah, That's so right. We just were uh, informed of that this morning, which is, has made today a logistical nightmare. But uh, I think we, <laughs> wow. I think we figured it out. Um, but no, Westside. Uh, it was good for us having this open week. I've never had a week ten open, but uh, myself and our defense coordinator will go over and watch them live against Oglethorpe and. Uh, you know, Westside's going to be low in numbers, uh, about 30 kids on the roster, but I, I will tell you they get after it. Um, Coach Wiley over there, I think he's in his second year, has done a fantastic job of bringing them back and um, to respectability for sure. I know their kids are going to be pumped. I believe most of them is going to be their first experience being in the playoffs. So, you know, they'll bring a good crew over here with them making that, that long trip. Um, but extremely athletic. Very senior-laden offensively and defensively. A lot of their guys are going to be Ironman-type guys going both ways and playing all special teams. So, again, just excited about the opportunity and the chance and, and really excited. That there's there's no better atmosphere, and I'll put it up against anybody, than uh, you know playing Friday nights at Veterans Memorial Stadium. And even though we're not able to um, have full capacity, it's still nice every time we get to give back to our community for everything they do for us in Thomasville and host as many playoff games as possible. So since you've uh, already uh, started reading my notes and asking you questions this week, I'll go, ahead, I'll go ahead and ask you this question, considering that you mentioned it. For someone who's never been to a game at the vet, what are they missing out on on a football Friday? I'll tell you, it's, you know, and I, I was fortunate enough to have the experience in Moultrie and, and kind of what's expected, you know, the Moultrie Lounge, Moultrie Valdosta. Um, the, the coolest thing that we offer, one is, of course, a small Georgia town. You've got, you know, Central a few miles down the road. But when we're able to pack this thing out, our atmosphere, I think, just goes a little bit above and beyond. You have those guys that have been in the same seats for 50-plus years. You have the folks that, I mean, they're hanging on the home side, on the visitor side. The fences are right on the sideline. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, you're, there's no hiding. So there's no track in between. I think a lot of schools that are doing these big complexes with the track, I think you lose out on a lot of um, just the South Georgia Friday night. And and I know it's, you know, everybody says it, and it's kind of, I'm sure it's overused. But, I mean, if you want to, if Central and Thomasville both have home games on a Friday night, that's the place where you can go and do whatever you want downtown because everybody's going to be there. Um, the amount of pride, you're either a dog or a jacket. Uh-huh. There's no in-between. Uh-huh. Um, so especially when we're able to host that game at yeah, our place. War of the Roses at your place. Right. I mean, that that is the coolest game I've ever been a part of. And just the, the I don't know, I want to say hatred because that's bad, but the it's pure. I mean, it's South Georgia hate for that night. And you're, you're one or the other. There's no sitting on the fence. Um, and even our other home games, Fitzgeralds and Brooks and you know, the things that have really grown into rivalries, um, there's nothing, nothing like it. Just the pride that these guys have and the dads and the granddads, everybody comes back. You really can't explain it until you experience it. And at the same time, if memory serves, if the game at the vet is a sellout, you're going to have folks who are standing on the sidewalk looking through the tree line and the fence line just to kind of get a glimpse of things, yeah? 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't even know what our sellout numbers are. I know they just sell tickets until we can't fit anybody else in. And then right. you have, you know, you've got the stands on the home and visitor side. We've got some temporary stands we brought in in one of our end zones. Um, but even then, it doesn't matter. There's a, a big oak tree up in the corner. They'll be inside of, the, um, you know, climbed <laughs> up in that. They'll be hanging out up there. There will be folks, uh, you know, on the other side of our practice field looking through the fence. And I've gotten some folks, that, you know, from the community that, hey, coach, you need to, you know, put some windscreen up and they can't, they got to pay to get in. I'm like, look, man, that's the, we ain't doing that for eight bucks. So I come out here. It just, I think it adds to the atmosphere. Uh, a couple of years ago, unfortunately, the cops didn't get, there's a cemetery across the street yeah. from our place uh-huh. and uh, the cops didn't get it closed off in time. And it ended up, you know, with everybody parking in the cemetery. Um, they really didn't care, but there's a lot of issues that we had to fix uh, with, <laughs> with that thing. So um, it's come one, come all, and it's the same football, basketball, baseball, just the love for this program and, and the amount of community support. You know, I, I call it Mini Moultrie when I first got over here, and I think we even go above beyond in some facets. And at the same time, you know, you mentioned region play, and I have the, the terminology of regions of doom around the state of Georgia. Two single A is one, obviously one seven, one six. I've always maintained – that one double is also one of those regions of doom because you you can't turn one direction or the other without having a heavyweight matchup in region every week. For someone who hasn't seen a region game that you're involved in, what's that like? It, it's a it's a South Georgia slobber knocker. I mean, you want to talk about and people were kind of looking down on it as far as the whole region goes because Brooks dropped down a single A this year. We still played them game one. Yep. Um, but even losing them, Early County was much better, much improved this year. Barry, you know, still had their struggles. Uh, Worth County with Coach Ironside, you know, came on and won a few games. So um, you still have us. You still have Fitzgerald. You got Early. You got Cook who went back down from 3A. It is going to be a physical battle. If you don't – that's one thing going into Westside. Westside has a very electric running back, mm-hmm. um, but he's, he's small. He's smaller than what we're used to seeing. You know, he's not Namari Arnold. He's not a Jay Ely from Early County. Those big six-foot, 200-pound guys – that just our kids love to hit and it's um offensive line defensive line you talk about you know where football seems to be going uh maybe in the uh, the metro area maybe in the the nfl in college with you can't hit people and it's a lot more throwing going on uh the finesse part of the game i guess you don't you don't have that down here and that's one of the reasons i love it you don't have the individual trainers you don't have you still have that pride about football and it, and it is what it's supposed to be done um you know, we get out there, and when we go practice, you know, you got to do a good job taking care of the kids. But when you open it up, they they go and they still love each other. But they're gonna. There's one thing that Thomasville will do long after I'm gone and long before I was here, and they will hit you. Mm-hmm. And and it's just that's that's what these kids do, and that's everywhere. That's Fitzgerald. That's you know you are in for a physical battle. Um, whenever you get in these South Georgia regions, I think that's everybody. Region one, region two, uh, South of Macon. Well, round one of the playoffs have begun, and there's going to be some physical battles here as well. We talked about you guys playing Westside Augusta. The winner of your game will play the winner of Swainsboro Dodge County. You also have Lovett versus Pepperell, Banks County versus Callaway. How tough is your upper left quadrant here? <laughs> Extremely. Um, <laughs> this is what, <laughs> but that's what you want. I mean, that's, yeah. uh, Tucker Pruitt and I were talking to Fitzgerald, and you know, he reminded me of the four years that we've been together coaching in this region the lower-seeded team has actually gone further than the one seed every single year. Even wow. last year, we went to the semifinals um, as the one seed, but then Brooks County made it the state championship. So, so did every Tucker year, try to trade told, with you? 
No, I, I'll give it. Trust me, take it right now. Give him a call. But uh, <laughs> no, listen, it's it's that same idea. There's no real bracket where you look at it and go, "Hey, this is going to be easy." I mean, if you look up where Fitzgerald's at, they got Pace Academy. I think is in as a four seed. Yep. Um, so I don't know how all that worked out, but I mean, you're looking at a Pace Academy team. You're looking at Fannin that you know just went through an undefeated season. You got um, you know on the bottom half of ours, you got Raven that's always going to be. Um, a force we reckon with, especially with Gunner and Coach Shaw and everybody up there. And then um, Blackley there, is there's a not, four. Yeah, Blackley, dang, and Von Lasser is one of my best friends. I was sitting there talking to him today about how we're handling Saturday logistics with our teams. And, um, you know, him as a four C, that's, uh, I think, but when you look into it, though, your you're Jeff Davises and your, you know, your Region 1s, Region 2s, especially um, your Region 3s with Von and, and, and Waco, and you start looking at how these things fit out throughout the year. And just when you think you've got it figured out, somebody's going to creep up and beat somebody and completely throw a wrench into it. I know Callaway heading in, you know, it's preseason number one. They're they're going to go and, and uh, you know, make run shop through their region. And then I believe they lost to what, Harrelson County yeah. on a Tuesday night game, yeah. um, which is crazy. That's just 2020 in a nutshell. Um but they were still able to go and, and do what they needed to do against Herd this Friday. But there's always all those questions, um, and I think very few regions this year were cut and dry, and there's not a lot of even 1-4 matchups where you're looking at it and go, oh, that's a no doubt, that one's going to beat those guys. Um, I think this this is going to have the definite playoff feel, um, maybe more than any other year, and then you're going to add in the uh, questions of quarantines and who can play and who cannot play and – um, I think that's going to definitely be another storyline by the time it's all said and done. Well, all these teams have amazing playmakers. Your team has great playmakers. We do this thing on Recruiting 2020 where we like to shine light on a player that is overlooked. It's called Make That Kid an Offer. Make That Kid an Offer. Is there someone <laughs> on, on your yeah. team that you think deserves a better offer or an offer? Um, just just, a, just an a, offer a good, outright. A good kid on your team that's been overlooked. Uh, I think there's no doubt it's our uh, offensive lineman Jackson Hodge. He's a he's a senior, number 74. He's legitimate, six uh, four. He's sitting out at 285. He played last year at 315. He lost a bunch of weight. He's actually the uh, the lead in all of our school plays. He's like the epitome of Renaissance man. Um, he's been on our Odyssey the Mind teams, and he's had some talks with with the Kennesaws and Samfords and Mercers of the world. Um, you know, really good in the classroom. Very, very good player. Probably, and we've had some offensive linemen go on. Uh, Javante McGriff was at Georgia Southern last year. Um, we had Grant Conger that was a big recruit last year. So, you know, we've had some offensive linemen go on, and I think Jackson is probably the best out of all of them. And when I sit there and watch his tape and we kind of look at who's being offered, I know we're, we're selfish and we're definitely biased. But, uh, you know, we look at these guys and we're like, man, they must be really good to be better than, than Jackson. So, I think that's a no-brainer in our senior class um, that Jackson Hodge is, is a guy that we can put out there for sure. Now, you mentioned that your logistics have been kind of put in the blender considering that your game got pushed to Saturday. For for someone who's just looking at it from a fan perspective, what are we talking about here when it comes to logistics and planning, knowing that you have to slide things now 24 hours? What does that actually do for someone who doesn't quite understand all the effort that coaching staffs and administrations put into an event like this? Well, first and foremost, you look, like, most schools around the state, I'm just going to treat it like that first and then look at specifically what Thomasville had to do with. But, you know, we, we found out this morning right when we started selling tickets. I think it was 8.48 when my athletic director came in the office and told me something. We started selling tickets at 9. So trying to get that information out. Um, but the first thing you got to do is get with the other coach and find what time you're playing. 
So, you know, it's not like we just split it and said, okay, we're going to play at 8 o'clock. Now, you know, you want to look at uh, recovery time for your kids. Whoever makes is fortunate enough to make it to the second round, how are you going to prepare for the next team? Um, the good thing about it is that everybody's in the same boat in Class 2A and 4A, so you're going to have the same kind of prep time. But, you know, who's um, – then you have to, you know, talk about announcers and officials and clock keepers and all the gatekeepers, ticket takers, everything that goes on to a normal Friday night, getting all those folks moved. Um, and that really isn't that bad, reaching out to the news sources. Uh, you kind of get them in a group text, the newspapers and the radio stations and the you know everybody that covers your games, where it really threw us for a loop was we had done a lot of work because, you know, we're out, um, we're out Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for Thanksgiving. Right. So our number one priority here is making sure we take care of our kids, feeding them and doing everything like that. So when we came in, we had to go um, and, and meet with our cafeteria and nutrition staff here at the school and make sure that we have people that are going to come in and take care of our kids on their days off. So reaching back out to them and say, hey, I know we just went through this whole big meeting. Uh, but we're going to have to change it again. Can y'all come back and redo this on Friday morning instead of Thursday morning? Or can you do both, which is great, and that's what they're doing for us. Um, we've got local churches that feed us on game day morning. So reaching out to the local church and saying, um, all right, instead of Friday morning, we want to go now Saturday morning, and we're going to change it from 10, and we're going to change it now to 8 o'clock. Um, you know, can we, and everybody right now has been phenomenal. Um, have my wife as a – um, resource is fantastic. You know, we try and delegate and pawn off a lot of stuff on her. And the first thing I did when we heard about it was, um, you know, called a bunch of guys on our coaching staff and anybody that was able to get down to the field house. We met. If you couldn't get down to the field house, we had you on speakerphone and just hammering. Our staff's unbelievable and just trying to hammer logistics and who's, you know, who has to be here getting ball boys. You know, they're normally our middle school kids that are normally Friday night guys, make sure they're up here Saturdays. There's just every little thing, and I'm sure I've, I've left a leaf unturned that I'll find out about later this afternoon, yeah. but um, there's a lot more that goes into it than just telling your kids what time to show up. Well, Zach, thanks for hanging out with us here on the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast. Good luck this weekend with uh, your game against Westside Augusta. It's good to catch up with you and good to kind of let everybody else know what they're missing by not seeing a, a game involving the Bulldogs down there in Thomasville. Thanks for hanging out with us here on the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast. Absolutely. Appreciate all y'all do. Good to catch up with Zach, and he mentioned what it was like for him. He was an assistant under Rush Probst in Rush's time at Colquitt County, and then he took the head coaching job at Thomasville. And to hear him talk about Thomasville and what he's been able to to experience with his time, A, being a head coach, and B, going from Moultrie to Thomasville to experience it with the Bulldogs, I think it's pretty cool. His description of the games in the town just brings you there. I mean, if when he's talking, if you're not picturing exactly what he's talking about, then... You, you just don't, you don't, don't get it. know anything. You don't get it. Well, and, and the thing is, is that the the vet is literally it's right up against Thomasville mm-hmm. Road yeah. and uh, Thomasville. And uh, if you haven't seen War of the Roses, Thomasville, mm-hmm. Thomas County Central, if you have a chance, go see this rivalry game. But yeah, Thomasville Road goes right past both stadia. And what he was talking about is that you have the stadium, you have the chain link, you have the oak tree, the oak tree, you have the sidewalk, then you have Thomasville Road. And then he mentions the cemetery. The cemetery is on higher ground. So I know exactly what he was talking about, about folks going into the cemetery, because in the fall, once all the leaves have come off the trees, you can be in the cemetery, look across the street, and you can watch the game from one of the end through one of the end zones, through the north end zone there. 
or through the south end zone looking north. So I mean, it's it's a really cool visual. Although I know that you know, looking at a watching a game in a cemetery, but people will do what people will do. I mean, here's another example: Cedartown. Mm-hmm. Cedartown's practice facility is across the street from a cemetery. And folks, uh, since, you know, you can't, you know, watch if a lot of folks are watching and you're not you can't park on uh, if there aren't enough parking spaces at Old Cedartown. What you do is you'd go across the street to the cemetery, watch practice from there, and then you would you'd watch what's going on with guys like Nick Chubb and, and stuff. So, no, it's, uh, that is that is a common occurrence to watch games and practices from cemeteries that are on higher ground. How do you get your car through the cemetery. Well, I guess well, I mean they roads. have they have one lane roads, but I mean it's usually one lane or a one lane and a half, and so yeah, there's 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 room. And then you just grab your chairs and go up to the fence. Yeah, or or you just sit where you are, and if you got there early enough, then you've got you've, then got, you've got, got your, the view. You've got okay. your view. Uh, what's our game this week? Our round one playoff matchup will be Camden County versus Parkview at the Big Orange Jungle in Lilburn. Yes. The Panthers are six and three in the number two seed from Region Four Seven A. The Wildcats are five and five in the number three seed from Region One Seven A. Both teams have dropped some big games lately, John. They'll be looking to get back on track in a big way. They haven't played each other since 2004 mm-hmm. when number one Camden defeated number three Parkview 12 to 10 in their season opener. The winner will advance to round two to take on the winner of four seed Marietta versus one seed East Coweta. Both of these teams are really looking to major, get back on track. That is a major mini bracket. It really is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, when you when you look at, I mean, Marietta coming in at three and seven, East Coweta, who had the, 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 uh, the the region championship game coming in with all the emotion off of that. And then you have this game with the running game with Jamie Felix. And you've got Cody Brown, who you talked to for recruiting 2020. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of subplot going on in this mini bracket right now. Yeah. Cody Brown has had his ups and downs this season. So I'm interested to see which Cody Brown we get Mm -hmm. on Friday. Yeah. And, you know, that uh, Coach Godfrey is going to want that offensive line to create the holes that we saw because Mm -hmm. we had Newton on for football Fridays in Georgia. And that offensive line created a big hole for Cody, got the long touchdown, and uh, he was off and running. And this was the game before the Grayson game that was on uh, national television. So we've had the chance to see Parkview up close. We've seen Camden County. We've seen Jamie Felix pretty much since he was a freshman at uh, Camden County. But it'll be good to see Bob Spire, and everybody knows him from his pedigree up north with uh, North Gwinnett. But there's a lot of great subplot here, not just within the game that we have, but in the mini bracket that is a part of 7A and also everything that's going on in all the other playoff games. Remember, like Zach said, Double A and Quad A have all been pushed to Saturday games because of the the desire to have official uh, to have all of the officiating crews that you can have uh, being mm-hmm. at all of these games. So, uh, just a reminder: if you're a fan of a Double A or a Quad A team, check your check with your school about start times, home games, tickets, all those kinds of things. Two A and Four A pushed to Saturday. Is that a COVID issue? Because the playoff games aren't normally played on Friday and Saturday. No, well, I mean, sometimes you do. Sometimes you have okay. agreements where, with uh, if it, if there's travel that's associated, with, like if it's a really long distance. But I mean, like an entire. No, not an entire, not an entire classification. Mm-hmm. No, no. I mean, that is uh, having, and it was uh, in Todd's article. He did mention it was just making sure that testing was okay, that you okay. had the number okay. of officials. That was part and parcel to it, and having in enough case crews. something happens. Yeah, as well. and, so, and having enough crews that could that could uh, house mm-hmm. these kinds of games. So uh, yeah, Todd has the article up at uh, the AJC.com for looking for details and that kind of stuff there as well. 
Yeah. If you guys want to get to know Cody Brown, go on over to GBB Sports YouTube. There's the plug I and was waiting for. Listen to the interview. It was great. You know, fun fact. Fun tw- fact. Twenty four seven sports ripped my entire interview and did an article on it. <laughs> <laughs> Literally word for word. So it was it was a really good interview. The kid is awesome. He's going places. So Check check that out. On it was on recruiting twenty twenty. So that, that is another round of the football Fridays in Georgia podcast playoff style. Round one of the playoffs. That's a fun one, John. Yeah, and uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody, by the way. Yeah, uh, happy Thanksgiving. We didn't even get to talk about that. Well, no, and we'll talk about that next week when we talk about Thanksgiving and what happened there. So thanks to Todd Holcomb. (laughs) We'll have some stories, I'm sure. Yes, we'll have some stories. (laughs) Thanks to Todd Holcomb from the Georgia High School Football Daily. Thanks to Zach Grage, the head coach of the Thomasville Bulldogs. And thanks to you for hanging out with us. As always, the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast is brought to us by the irreplaceable producer, Sean Powers. Thanks for accessing us and subscribing every single week to hear what we have to talk about when it comes to Georgia high school football. For Hannah and Sean, I'm just John. Play it safe, everybody. Enjoy your game. to you by the Georgia Governor's Office of Highway Safety, reminding you to buckle up, Georgia.